Welcome to Flip the Library, a podcast from Gwinnett County Public Library. My name is Monor. I'm a library associate at the Norcross branch. My name is Melissa Lawrence. I'm the branch manager of the Lilburn branch. And I'm Steve Thomas, the manager of the Grayson branch. The Hooper-Renwick building has an important place in Gwinnett County history. And thanks to the efforts of the Hooper-Renwick Legacy Preservation Committee, it is in the process of being restored and will be the site of the library's new Lawrenceville branch, in addition to a museum devoted to this historic site. In today's episode, we're speaking with Jason DeFranco, Director of Development and Community Partnerships for the Library, and we are pleased to welcome Teresa Bailey and Joyce Moore, Chair and Vice Chair of the Hooper-Renwick Legacy Preservation Committee. So we have a new Snellville branch opening soon, and then after that, our next building project will be a new Lawrenceville branch. But this project is a little different from others that we've embarked on in the past, and that is also part of the restoration of the historic Hooper-Renwick building. What can you tell us about this building and its important place in Gwinnett County history? Um, We're very excited for the Hooper-Renwick theme library that's projected to open the first quarter of 2024. This is a project that's made possible by the hard work and dedication of the Hooper-Renwick Legacy Preservation Committee, City of Lawrenceville, and Gwinnett County. At this time, I'm going to turn it over to the chair and vice chair of Hooper-Renwick Legacy Preservation Committee, Teresa Bailey and Joyce Moore, to speak about the importance that this project plays in Gwinnett County history. Thank you. Thank you, Jason, and thank all of you that are present today. We're honored that you would think to invite us to this forum. I must say, just every time I hear the question how this began and people's interest in it, my heart swells completely because the committee met for the first time in December 2016 and we organized and through 2017 and put together a business plan summary, if you will, and our thoughts and formed them in an outline and presented it to the mayor at that time, who was Judy Jordan Johnson. We presented it to her as well as the city manager, who's Chuck Warmington. And after several meetings, they were engaged. And we had some really hard and difficult conversations, primarily because this is the first time African-Americans had really been recognized in such a group setting and to come and be able to save our beloved school from demolition was really important to us. And there's some very, very strong ties to that school because in that school, we were offered marginal and substandard equipment and supplies by the Gwinnett County Board of Education. And this just wasn't happening to Hooper-Renwick. This was a part of the Jim Crow laws, racism, segregation. It's just a terrible cornucopia of mistreatment to African-Americans all over this country. But inside of that, we had teachers and professors who nurtured us and loved on us and provided everything they could, even though they too had received marginal education. Somehow, by the grace of God, we walked away feeling nurtured. I mean, there were some who were, you know, disengaged and so forth and had strong feelings. But overall, we came together in the fall of 2017, held a press conference and notified the community and the world 
that Hooper Remerick had been saying some demolition and was now being transformed by the county because the city had engaged the county and given the land to the county. The county had decided that this would be the next site of their newest library, as Jason already stated, after Schnellville. And it is now known as the Hooper Remerick themed library slash museum. So we were able to save the 12 original rooms, which was important to us. Of course, we wanted the whole school, but we did save the 12 original rooms. There is a special notation that the brickwork that was done was unusual. It was unique, oversized brick, which are not used today. Beautiful, beautiful place. And by the grace of God, once again, it's well kept, even though there weren't any real maintenance, if you will, on the outside of the institution. So it's very important. And they were able to come together and re-engage in an IGA intergovernmental agreement. And that was in place. We signed it. And now we're working on design at this time. I'm going to be quiet and pass over to Joyce and let her come from there. Well, I echo Teresa's thanks to to you for giving us the opportunity to talk about Hooper Renwick and our passion for this building, for the legacy that this building, in fact, represents. And I'll give a little history of Hooper Renwick in that prior to the Hooper Renwick School, which was built, the current 12 rooms that were built in 1949-1950. African-American children only had the opportunity for education up through the seventh grade provided by the county. And there were 12 to 14 little community schools. Most of them were held in churches around Gwinnett County to which the children, African-American children, walked to those schools. And again, after the seventh grade, there was no education offered by the county. And any children who wanted to further their education had to catch back. Then the Greyhound bus was a, a commuter bus, and they'd have to catch the Greyhound bus to downtown Atlanta in order to go to Washington High in order to get education above seventh grade. But the Hooper-Renwick School, the genesis of it was the uh, original Rocky Knob School there in the city of Lawrenceville that only went through the seventh grade. Then an African-American property owner in the city of Lawrenceville donated three acres of land on which to build a school. And it was a three-room clapboard building to which the children in Lawrenceville could attend through the seventh grade. The other schools were still, as I mentioned, there were schools in Lilburn and Decula and Lithonia. There were about 12 of them in all. Then in about 1949, the county, using funds from the federal government, built the Hipperimic School. The school was named after Mr. Renwick, who was the property owner, who donated the land for the Renwick School, and Mr. Hooper, who was the first 
principal for the Hubarimi School. That's when the school became a 12th grade school. Prior to that, it had graduated up to 11th grade. And actually, Teresa's mother, Evelyn Mahaffey Bailey, was in the very first graduating class of the Renwick School, 11th grade in 1948. So you see, we have some really strong familial ties to Hooper Renwick. When the building, Hooper Renwick building opened in 1951, the county closed all of those community schools that the Black children had attended, and they bussed the children from all over Gwinnett County, the African-American children from all over Gwinnett County to the Hooper Renwick School. That is, with the exception of Buford had a city school. So the, the Black children's Buford did not come to Lawrenceville. All the other children did, except children in Nawcross and Duluth went to the Hull Elementary School that went through the seventh grade. So children from Nawcross were bussed to Duluth from first through seventh grade. And then from eighth grade, they were bussed to Lawrenceville to the Hooper Renwick School. And, and as Teresa said, the facilities that were made available to us, the, the, the books were substandard. The school buses were second, third hand buses that were passed on from the white schools. Those buses in the wintertime sometimes didn't have heat. In the summertime, definitely didn't have air conditioning. I don't think actually air conditioning was a thing back then. Sometimes windows, you couldn't let them down in the summer and you couldn't let them up in the winter. But I think people like Teresa, like me, our siblings, family members, are testament to the determination that we were going to overcome our circumstances. And, and this building is a monument, if you will, to that perseverance that our parents fought for, supported. And, and now that building is a testament, the very first one in Gwinnett County that is dedicated to the history of African-Americans in Gwinnett County. It's very important. And we are doing all we can to get the story out there about Hooperimic because a lot of people don't know that the school ever existed. Our history as African-Americans, we need to tell that story. And we feel that this library, this themed library, will help us communicate our story. Well, and hopefully it's just the first of many. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I thank you for sharing that because it, it's an important part that you said it's our history, but it's part of Gwinnett County's history, too. African-American history is part of Gwinnett County's history. And someone who was educated at Gwinnett from high school on, it's not until working for the library system and much later on that I even knew what Cooper Renwick was. And I think a lot of people in Gwinnett County, like you said, are not unaware. So that's one of the great things that the new library can do is bring attention to this and let the community know their history. Thank you for those comments, Melissa. They make me think of other things. Sure. They will, people will be able to learn more of African American history. Through this endeavor that we're working on, however, I'd like to point out, you said that it's the county's history as well. Anything that happens in this county should be important to all Renishas. But Hooper Remmert was 
largely unknown. And when we started this project now, I'm born and raised, so was Joyce in this county. And I did a deep dive into the history of Gwinnett. And I only found one mention of an African-American, and that was a slave owned by the Maltese. And the writer indicated that the slave was loaded in the truck or something like that. No name. That was it. And what's important for people to know is that even before Hooperemory, African-Americans, hardworking, diligent, very focused, like anybody else, cared about their families and did whatever they could to make families and nurture them and keep them and so on and so forth. But there were many African-Americans who (laughs) were, I guess you would call self-educated or went through the fifth grade or seventh grade, like Joyce made mention of, because of racism and segregation. We, within our own communities, had everything pretty much that was offered in downtown Warrensville or downtown Snellville, downtown Liberum, places where we were ostracized and cut off. Within our communities, we had stores in people's homes that sold all necessary toiletries, food, ice cream, and candy, and, and sodas, and whatever it is you needed, dish detergent, things of that nature. Because we were not allowed in downtown Lawrenceville. If you went, there was peeping over your shoulders, always some suspicion. And there were a couple stores that we just frankly were not allowed in. Particularly of note for me is walking from the white school once we did integrate and we walked home in groups. We never walked alone. Our parents taught, taught us to walk in groups. And I remember John Wilson's five and dine upon the corner of, let's see, that's Clayton Street. And he would come out with his broom and sweep his broom and sweep the dust on children, forbidding us to come in his store. And my father told us very matter-of-factly, do not go in this man, do not spend one dime of my money in this man's store. But if they found out that I was Frank Bailey's daughter, I was allowed in because my dad was a prominent builder during that that era and and his entire life, matter of fact. So because we had money, they would allow me in. But I stuck with the group and refused to go in. These are the kinds of things that we fought hard against. Hooper Rembrandt graduated people who became doctors, lawyers, judges, corporate business leaders, uh, prominent people like Joyce. And I know she she would never say this, but as a 1966 graduate and had a flourishing, impactful career with Coca-Cola, and even there, she suffered her own inequities by certain people in Coca-Cola. Segregation was the law of the land. They said separate but equal. Well, we were separate, but never equal. So this is an opportunity, if you will, for us to, let's say, put Hooperimic on the spotlight, brag, boast, or just be pleased 
with what Hooper Remick did in spite of the inequities that were presented against us. In the museum, we have um, pieces of the gym that had to be torn down because it was unsalvageable. And the floor was maintained and will be presented inside of this library. We have been collecting artifacts and those things will be on display in the library. Couple of the things, as I mentioned before, the community centers or communities, schools, majority of them were held within the Black churches. And we've been able to salvage vintage benches from a couple of those churches that will be on display in the library museum. And some pictures recently have been donated. I mentioned the whole school, which is grade one through seven in Duluth to which the African-American children in Norcross and Duluth, uh, where they attended, recently found pictures of the original whole school that was built back in the 40s. So that will be on display as well in the, the library. Just sort of summing up, Teresa very eloquently communicated this library, this themed library that we're told is the first African-American-themed library in the Southeast will represent so many things. It will obviously represent the individuals who attended, the individuals who taught there, the parents, the families who supported those students and those teachers. As Teresa said about the teachers, a lot of them, or actually all of them, were afforded marginal educations and their pay was so small that a lot of them actually lived with African-American families there in Lawrenceville because they couldn't afford a place to live. This themed library will represent the history or the beginnings of representing the history of African-Americans in Gwinnett County that we did exist before the civil rights movement before schools were integrated, that our marginal schools did, in fact, produce outstanding individuals who accomplished remarkable things looking at their background. It also provides an opportunity to teach, expose the rest of not only Gwinnett County, but the state, the country. African-American history, the importance of it, the bedrock support of this nation, even though we've never received the acknowledgement for that. But, you know, we were the bedrock or provided the bedrock or part of the bedrock of helping this country grow to be what it is today, even though some of us are not happy with what it is today. We are part of the history of this country. And we have a lot of enthusiasm for our school, for this project. And we solicited the support of the entire community to make this museum not just stagnant with what was, but to help our collective community grow and prosper. Thank you for this opportunity to share our story, our passion 
about the Hooper Renwick School and the Hooper Renwick Library Museum. I do want to piggyback off of what Joyce and Teresa had just stated. A lot of individuals think that segregation and everything happened so long ago. When you look at the dates, the last graduating class was 54 years ago from today. So it isn't as far away as individuals think. And we're excited being the library and the foundation for this project because we want to tell their stories. And there's not a lot in print about not only Hooper Renwick, but about the educational experience for African-Americans before Hooper Renwick. So one of the things that we're looking to do with this project as well is we're collecting oral histories from individuals because we want to get that firsthand account of what it was like for certain individuals. Just getting to know Teresa and Joyce, I mean, they're always together, but their stories are different. Their experiences are different. We want to gather those experiences and we want those to be able to be heard to the public. You can't learn from your history unless you know where you were. And this is a project that we're looking to share the history and share the firsthand account, again, so we don't repeat what happened previously. So honestly, I'm very grateful to be a part of this on the foundation side, but I'm truly grateful for the Hooper-Renwick Preservation Legacy Committee, as well as the city of Lawrenceville and Gwinnett County for bringing this project to Gwinnett and highlighting the importance that it played in the area. I was going to say everything that Teresa and Joyce said, like I got chills and I almost started crying just a little bit there, but it was just so wonderful to hear. I'm really excited about this project coming into the works because I think it needs to be showcased 100%. As Jason said, there's a library team going around doing this gathering of oral histories and there's, I think, about a half dozen staff working hard on that so that when the library museum actually opens that it's all ready to go and it should be great. I wanted to ask, how does the Hooper Renwick restoration fit in with the library's mission? I'll start off by saying the library's mission is to support everybody's informational, educational, and recreational interests with convenient, creative, and customer-friendly access to materials and services. We feel that the Hooper Renwick theme library fits this mission in many ways, starting with the repurposing of the original 12 classrooms and the original Hooper-Renwick building. This allows individuals to visit to gain an idea of the size of the original school as well as the size of the classrooms that they had. Also, the different artifacts and historical significances that will be on display at the library will be able to educate every visitor on what it was like in Gwinnett County before, during, and after the inception of the Hooper-Renwick School. The project not only will tell the story of how individuals that attended Hooper Renwick, they didn't have the best resources or conditions, but they did have and build a very strong community like Joyce and Teresa alluded to previously. We're excited because it tells the story of the struggles, but also highlights the successes that came out of Gwinnett County and truly was the building blocks of what we know now as Gwinnett County. The project will allow us to openly celebrate the strength of diversity that Gwinnett County offers, but also build community instead of fear and provide a safe, neutral location in which we can have courageous conversations, in which we can continue to connect, learn, and grow from each other. Teresa and Joyce, what do you guys think? Thank you for that, because I totally agree. I would also like to add that in this opportunity, we will be highlighting and showcasing even the second generation 
One of the things that we're working on now with the oral histories is telling our story before Hupurimric, during Hupurimric, and after Hupurimric. And in my oral history, I made note that there were some teachers when we integrated and went to the white schools, as we call them, there were some teachers that never should have been teachers. They never should have been allowed to work with children, black, white, or other. They were just mean people. And it, it was terrifying to me personally. I was a sixth grader when I transferred from Hoopmarimrick to the middle school, the white school, just 10, 12 years old. I can't remember the age. It was terrifying, the treatment that I received in the classroom. Well, these are things that people either forgot, pushed back in minds, don't want to remember, but in Hooperimric, we will be celebrating the accomplishments of us who went on. I went on the Central and did wonderful things. They like to call me a who's who and all the other accomplishments. I literally just have forgotten because that's almost 50 years ago for me. I think the most important thing is the perseverance of my people in spite of us. And that's an accomplishment that I look forward in oral histories, the artifacts, the displays, you will be able to see we had sports figures who went on to Remerick, led them to championships and were regarded then, but afterwards, nothing. They didn't get the scholarships, the help, the assistance, and even myself. I was offered scholarships, but didn't know it until after I graduated high school. These kind of inequities will be on display in a different kind of way, celebratory, because we, in spite of it all, the theme song of the civil rights movement was, we shall overcome someday. And I wrote a poem. I do a little poetry. I'm a published author. Someday is today. That's my focus. And I'm just terribly excited about that. So the vision comes alive, if you will, when this library is presented solidly in the final manifestation. So I'm just grateful. I think you said it very well. And Jason alluded to the fact that the oral histories, we've very deliberately identified people from the various eras of Hooper-Renwick. And my experience was different than Teresa's because I never went to the white school. Integration happened the first year that African-American students were offered the option of attending the white school was school year 65, 66. And that was the year that I graduated. So I did not experience what Teresa, my younger brother, and hundreds of other African-American children experienced integrating into the white school. It was an option, 65, 66, 66, 67, I think is the year that some public officials, like the mayor, maybe some members of the school board, actually visited the homes of African-American students, talked with their parents to encourage them to send their children to the white schools. 
And I think each year more children voluntarily went to the white schools until the year 1967, 68, they actually closed the high school. Children no longer or families had no option. Their children had to go to the integrated schools, the high school part. Then the elementary part, school year 68, 69, was when Hooper Renwick was closed totally and all children in the county had to go to the white schools. Those children, Teresa, as she's told her story, experienced trauma, drama, but then there are some students who didn't. So in the oral history, we are capturing those various stories. Some people voluntarily went to the white schools, had no issues. Some were forced to go when the school was closed and endured terrible, terrible mistreatment. So in capturing these various stories, we want to tell the entire story, not just the horrors, not just the good stuff, but the entire spectrum of what African-American students experienced during the period of integration. And again, those oral histories will be available at the library. And it, it's so important to get those while we can, because it's kind of when you hear like, you know, a few years ago, like the last World War One veteran dies. It's like, well, you want to capture these stories while people are around and you can get their unique point of view because you can write about it from a historical context. But hearing it from the actual person, there's so much more to it. We could talk all day about Rimrick. We just kind of glossed over, if you will, the introduction. I revel in the fact that an African-American man, a philanthropist in the 1940s, late 40s, early 50s, donated three acres of land, which is where Cooper Remerick still stands. That was unheard of. Most African-Americans didn't even own a home back then. They were promised opportunities that somehow slip through the cracks. Those stories are yet to be told. But I'm grateful for this opportunity, for this platform, for us to present just the modicum of what Hooper Rimmick is, was, and will always be in our minds and our hearts. I'm grateful again, and I thank you. I look forward to the great work that you're doing and I trust that these libraries that you represent also represent the history in that area as well. I've visited most of them. I've never been to Grayson, but Lilburn and Norcross and Duluth, yes, often, and of course, Lawrenceville, because there was a day when we were banning African Americans from the libraries. And I remember quite well in Lawrenceville where they stood at the door and kept us from the library. As a result, my father bought books, just wildly bought books, and our house was a library. And I maintain the same effort today, gathering almost 5,000 books in my home and neat and in order, so it's not a mess. I'm grateful, and I hope we can inspire Black white and other to do the same and come out and witness and share in the history of Hooper Reverend 
one of the best places ever to educate kids. Imagine what we could have done with proper supplies and books. And it's just amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. And thank you, Joyce. Yes. Thank you for sharing your stories. Truly, it's just a wealth of knowledge. I'm obviously not from Georgia. So the more I get into this project and listen to their stories and other individuals that either attended or just are familiar and affiliated with Hooper Renwick just from playing basketball. It's amazing the stories I hear and the history that Gwinnett has that I never realized. And it's truly something that we really are passionate about and we truly are honored that it's going to be a part of the library for us to share. So Jason, other than the work that you're doing with Hooper Renwick, can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do for the library? Sure. I'd love to tell you about what I do for the library system. Mainly, my job is to go around to each community and make them aware of the different opportunities and programs that the specific library offers to them. I also work with leaders in the community to come up with different ways to work together or identify different organizations to partner with that would fulfill a need for that specific community. As the executive director of the Gwinnett County Public Library Foundation as well, I also work with amazing board of directors to collaborate and come up with different ideas to raise funds that specifically go towards our library system. Let's talk about the gala. What's the theme and what can attendees expect? Sure. The gala this year will be held on Saturday, October 15th at 6 p.m. at the Atlanta Athletic Club. Uh, This year, the theme is rewriting your story. We decided on that theme because we looked at all the programs and resources that the library offers. We felt that everything that we offer possesses the ability to improve on everybody's overall well-being, whether it be attending a children's story time and helping your child learn to read, participating in an English as a second language or citizenship program, enrolling in our career online high school to earn an accredited diploma, or participating in our new Start Entrepreneurship program. The library offers the ability to better each individual personally and professionally. This year, we're honoring three community leaders in Beauty Baldwin, Dave McCleskey, and Clyde Strickland, as well as having Army Master Sergeant Cedric King be our keynote speaker. If you have ever had the opportunity to listen to any of them speak in the past, you know that each of their stories are the epitome of hard work, dedication, and determination. Each of those individuals, just like all of us, has had obstacles throughout our lives but they did not let it get in their way and still succeeded. We feel that their stories of inspiration with all of the resources that the library has to offer provide a great foundation for each individual to have the ability to rewrite their story and better themselves and their families. That's wonderful. And how can our customers find out more and get tickets? Yeah, so they can go on our website. If you go to Gwinnettpia.org, click on Foundation you'll be able to click on the gala. It'll take you directly to the information, who we're honoring, what the funds are going towards, and how you can purchase tickets and sponsorships in advance. So thank you for telling us about gala, but what are some other big fundraising events the libraries held? Along with our gala, we host a golf invitational each year. We hold an event called Books, Brews, and Barbecue, which is a community gathering at a brewery tells individuals about the great things that their local library offers to the citizens. And then this year, we'll be hosting our first annual Hooper Renwick Building Bridges author event. 
This is an event in which we bring a known speaker and authors to an area which will be held at the Lawrenceville Art Center. And they'll speak on a specific topic and provide a starting point for ongoing conversations in the community. So for customers who might think this is a lot, they don't want to go to some fancy event or whatever, but how can they show their support for the library? There are many ways in which individuals and businesses can show their support to the library system through donations or just coming and telling the staff what a great job they're doing. For donation purposes, they can drop off a check at their local branch. Uh, They can go to our website, as I said, GwinnettPL.org, click on Foundation and click on Support the Library System and what specific programs they have passions about. Or they can contact me via email at jdefranco at GwinnettPL.org or call me at my office, which is 770-822-5326. I can send them an invoice and mail them. uh, They can mail back to me or I can stop by and pick up from their location. Truly, whatever is easiest and most convenient for them, I will make sure to make it happen. Of the many programs and services the library offers its community, which ones do you find resonate the most with potential supporters? To be honest, I think it all depends on what each individual and organization's passions are. All of our programs and services are geared towards education, which is something that everybody can resonate with. But whether you're learning to read, you're a student that's interested in learning a life skill, participate in STEAM activity, or register for a tutor session, or you want to learn a life skill such as sewing or cooking, want to learn a different language, or just listen to an audiobook while you're sitting in traffic driving to work in Atlanta, Gwinnett County Public Library can offer everybody a resource that they can take advantage of and enjoy. Because of the abundance of support we get from individuals and organizations in the community, these resources are offered free of charge to anybody with a library card. Jason, give us your best pitch for the library. Why should people visit us and support us? Sure. People should come and visit Gwinnett County Public Library because the library is a place in which we can make all your imaginations and dreams come true. Whether you need to get a passport to go on that dream vacation or read the most recent best-selling novel without purchasing it. If you want to learn a specific subject or event or learn all about your family history, Gwinnett County Library has a resource for you to take advantage of. Residing in a county of almost a million individuals, there's no other organization in the area that offers the resources that we do that can benefit individuals free of charge. Thank you so much for your time, Jason. We know how much you have on your plate and... And also just making sure that we got in touch with Teresa and Joyce. Yes. It was really wonderful listening. Yeah, no, I I truly, it's my pleasure. And thank you for having us. And really, thank you for all the hard work you guys do. Because truly, if it wasn't for the individuals in the branches, it would truly be a loss for the community. They're the ones that make the libraries possible and make it. Thank you, Jason, for letting us know more about your work and how customers can support the library. And a special thanks to Teresa and Joyce for joining us to talk about the Hooper Renwick Legacy Preservation Committee. Flip the Library provides an inside look at Gwinnett County Public Library and brings to light the many ways the library impacts and enriches our customers' lives. Go to GwinnettPL.org slash podcasts to find out more about the library's podcasts and to get new episodes of The Library, follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. 
If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate and review it on your podcast app. And keep up to date with the library on social media at Quinette Library. Thanks for listening. Connect, learn, and grow with your Gwinnett County Public Library.